a listener production. Hi, and welcome back to Broadsheet Melbourne Around Town. I'm Broadsheet's editorial director, Katja Vaktel, and the host of this 10-minute guide to Melbourne. Drug use, psychological torment and kidnapping might seem like an odd fit for a film studio best associated with a pretty rose-tinted output, but they're nevertheless the themes of a story that Disney's chosen to tell with its very first original Australian scripted series on its streaming platform, Disney+. The Clearing features a really deep bench of Aussie talent, including Miranda Otto, Guy Pearce, Claudia Carvan and Teresa Palmer. And Broadsheet's Lucy Bellberg joins our features editor, Emma Joyce, to talk about the new show today. But first, we're talking about drinks, Victorian-made drinks specifically. Victoria is home to many world-class winemakers, brewers, distillers, in fact, too many to count. But this past month, the city celebrated those makers and their drinks in a more dedicated fashion as part of Drink Victorian, which is a program that gathered 100 of Melbourne's best bars, pubs and restaurants to highlight local drinks talent on their menus. The program itself is about to conclude, but in our eyes, we should always be drinking Victorian. And today we've got Anthea Lucas-Bosha, the CEO of Food and Drink Victoria and winemaker Emily Kinsman of ECK Wines here with us to talk about Drink Victorian and all the wonderful drinks we make in this state. Welcome. Hello. Hi. I'm going to ask a big question to begin with, but I feel like there's many answers. Why do you think Victoria is such a hotbed of innovation and just delicious, delicious drinks? It's such a diverse region. Mm. It's got so many different pockets that some people know of and some people don't. It's got cool climate wine, so the Macedon Ranges. It warms up to the Heathcote region and up to Echuca. So there's just so many interesting varieties coming out of Victoria. And it is such a big region that captures so many wines and styles. And it's really an exciting region. There's not a lot you can't grow or make in this state. We really punch above our weight in terms of the size of our state. We are the food and drink bowl of Australia. And I think you layer that with our interest in food and the multiculturalism and our our real passion for hospitality. And yeah, it all comes together with this incredible, incredible array of drinks, right from cider to spirits to wine to non-alks to beer and everything in between. The population, I think, of people also making this stuff is quite wide. We did a story recently on a gin that was being made in Byron Bay by people who were from Britain and LA. And they discussed the fact that there's really not that many kind of small batch distillers that you might find in the UK at least. And I thought to myself, that's just not even a big deal in in Melbourne or Victoria. We have so many people who are doing interesting things in their backyard that then become commercial businesses, whether it's a distiller who suddenly opens in Williamstown to someone that kind of pops up in the Arrow Valley. There is just I think the population of people interested in and making these things also helps create this kind of innovative state. We have 120 distillers in Victoria, more than any other state. And a decade ago, or 15 years ago, we had none. So it's been quite the growth over the last decade and a half. So let's talk about the Drink Victorian program. So there are events at any number of Melbourne's top venues, Parks, Her, Builders Arms, Aru, Etta, There's obviously an impact on the consumer when these things are happening. If you're a guest or a diner or a drinker at one of these places, then of course you hear about these local makers and you think, great, I might order it. But Anthea, I'd be interested to hear from you about the impact as well on the other side, on the people who are actually putting those lists together and responsible for stocking the shelves. This program was born out of COVID and we saw a real opportunity 
to bring the producers and the industry together. And Drinks Alliance was formed with all of the, the producer representatives, the independent brewers, Wine Victoria, Spirits Australia, Insider Australia. Their producers were being affected by COVID. There were restaurants shut, their export. Those who were exporting obviously had real issues with, with that supply chain opportunity. On the other side, the industry couldn't get their hands on what was potentially coming in from overseas. So we thought, well, this is a really sweet spot to remind the industry of the incredible array of Victorian products and to get both together and to create some great efficiencies. So we we do this with a mass tasting. We had 700 hospitality professionals at Marvel Stadium um, this year where they got to see 250 producers, more than 600 drinks in a day for them to pop on their lists. And on the flip side, the producers got to see 700 hospitality professionals in one go. And when you meet the makers as well, mm. the stories are always so interesting. Yes. That even if the, the drink itself is delicious, once you hear the story behind it, it adds something else. I was lucky enough to go to an event at Embla at the beginning of the month in which there were four particular makers showcased. And I just loved hearing some of the stories. Emily, you were there with ECK Wines. I'm going to regret saying this, but when you offered up your Pinot Syrah for everyone to try, there were audible gushes, you know, around the table and a very, very quick demand from everyone saying, when is this, when is this coming out? I'd love you to tell our listeners about the kind of wines. I might start by sort of telling everyone a little bit about my little brand. So I actually used to be a lawyer, so I didn't have such a straight path into winemaking. I used to work in Collins Street for five years, but it was never a completely fulfilling life for me. So my husband and I moved to the Macedon Ranges in 2016 and sort of the idea of creating from the land came into fruition. I always loved making my own clothes, cooking and baking and sharing those creations with family and friends when I was in my teenage years and I suppose my university days, I had very little time for it as a lawyer. It was nice in 2016 when we made that move that we sort of thought, well, we could really do something from the land. So we used to spend a lot of our time on the weekends exploring around the Macedon Ranges and in Heathcote stumbled across a little property for sale, 35 acres on the north side of Lake Epilock, which was home to a small block of Shiraz vines, a little winery tin shed, a cellar door and 1860s homestead. So we sort of jumped at the idea and took over the reins in July 2017. Since then, I stopped working as a lawyer and I've worked a few full-time vintages at Hanging Rock Winery, which is where we make our wine because we grew out our little tin shed in Heathcote. My goal with my wines is to make really interesting and compelling wines from mostly French varieties. I want my wines to have energy and life, to tell the story of place and the people behind the wine, so the growers, but also myself as a winemaker. And I want them to be drunk now and enjoyed now, and but also have the potential to sell her. So the Pinot Syrah that you mentioned, I actually haven't released it. So it's a bit of a teaser to sort of mention it today, but it's our 2020 Pullman's Creek Pinot Noir Syrah, which I should be releasing the next four to six weeks. It's going to be released as a trilogy with a rosé and a Bordeaux blend. So mostly Cabernet Sauvignon fruit with a little bit of a Malbec and Merlot in the blend. So I just have to finalise the the three wines and get the labels on them and then I'll be releasing them. How big are the runs? So we took over in 2017. We, we crushed 15 tonne of fruit. Since then, we've ramped it up a little bit to 25 tonne. So I work closely with about half a dozen growers across Heathgate and the Macedon Ranges. I work with eight different varieties of fruit, mostly 
they are really little runs. So um, the Pinot Syrah that you mentioned was only about a ton picked. So That's why I'm concerned. Yes. So it would only be about a thousand bottles. So really right. small, small run. Yeah. And actually I loved collaborating with Ashley Simonetto who actually approached me late last year. She'd always wanted to design a, la- a wine label. So I sort of jumped at the opportunity. I One thing I miss from working as a lawyer is that collaboration, being a solo operator and a very small producer in central Victoria. It's really nice to work with other creatives and sort of bring different ideas into the mix. The labels are beautiful. Yeah, they're stunning. Thank I think you. one of the things as well I love about Victorian makers is that you've got this really incredible product inside a bottle or a can, but the design mm. that you get, you know, Victoria and Melbourne are so focused on also beautiful design and kind of thinking outside the box. And the labels on your wines are really beautiful, like the perfect thing to pop on a dinner table and everyone, even before they get to the wine, is thinking, oh, look at that beautiful label. Mm. What is happening in winemaking right now in Victoria that you think is, you know, particularly interesting or any changes that are worth mentioning? Or kind of alternatively, what are the styles you're seeing that you think people should look out for? I think Macedon Ranges is a really exciting region. Um, It's got a lot of cool climate varieties and similarly a lot of really small producers. I mean, everyone loves a Pinot Noir or a Chardonnay. They're all really beautiful varieties. I think Gamay is a really exciting variety as well. I mean, Gamay, people might know a Beaujolais, but not necessarily a Victorian Gamay. So it's nice to look out for that. Um, It's a, yeah, exciting variety it's a great food wine. Yes, it mm. very much is so a good food Okay, well, wine. it's winter, so what are we pairing <laughs> Gamay with? Duck. Ooh. Yeah, duck. I was going to say duck yeah. too. Great. <laughs> Where can you find your wines? Where can people buy them? So I currently do all the sales myself, so it's wherever I've been able to get sort of out and about, pounding the pavement, so to speak, pouring my wine. So I am around Melbourne at a variety of restaurants and bottle shops, Richmond, um, so Atlas Vinifra. I'm in Lilac Wine in Cremorne, sort of north side as well, so... Northside Wines and a few other bottle shops and restaurants around there. More regional too, so around the Macedon Ranges, Dalesford, Hepburn Springs and Bendigo as well. Can people buy directly from your website? Yes, they can. So they just jump online and and buy direct and I pick and pack and ship so you'll hear hear from me when I send you wine. (laughs) I love that. Anthea, obviously bottle shops are such an important part of getting the word out and promoting. You know, a lot of people might walk into a bottle shop and know exactly what they want most of us don't. Most of us go in and, and really need some help. Blackhearts and Sparrows was a big part of the Drink Victorian campaign. I'd love to hear about what they were doing. Yes, we were thrilled to have Blackhearts and Sparrows involved, the great um, independent retailer in store. They've been running some really great tasting programs and there's still a couple. So we're, we are coming to the end of the program, but Friday and Saturday, there are tastings of Victorian wines in various shops up on their website. You'll be able to... to um, find them pretty easily. So yeah, and then they're just so great in store at being able to point you in the right direction, whether it's wine or beer or spirits or, like I said, anything in between. They're great partners. So that would be my advice to everyone listening is this program is wrapping up. It was one month long, but if you're in a restaurant, if you're in a bottle shop, wherever you might be where they are selling or serving drinks, ask about some of the local Victorian makers on there. If it's a good place, it will have them. They'll know a lot of information and they'll probably have the great stories behind these makers as well. Thanks so much, Anthea and Emily, for joining us. Thank you, Katja. Thanks for having me. The Clearing is a brand new TV show, a psychological thriller, and it stars Teresa Palmer, Miranda Otto, Guy Pearce, and a bunch of other really talented Aussies. 
Broadsheet's Lucy Bellbird has seen the first few episodes and you've said you're completely hooked. I'm so hooked. I got to watch them a little bit in advance and I got to the end and I was genuinely annoyed that there were no more episodes left for me to watch and I had to wait. Now this one is based on a real life cult or it's loosely based on a cult from Melbourne. Can you explain a little bit about the background and also what this particular show is about? So it's based on a cult that was around in the 70s and a bit before and after in Melbourne called The Family, which had a lot of kids that they shouldn't have had their hands on really. I also think it's an interesting call from Disney in terms of it's their first scripted Australian series for streaming and you would think it would be something happily ever after or princessy or animated or even something something. uplifting and light but no it's this dark gritty tale based in real life about drug use and LSD and coercion and coercive control and cults and they've done it in a really interesting way with a really gorgeous cast and crew So Teresa Palmer plays Freya, but she plays Freya, who is a kid who's got all this trauma, basically, from growing up as part of the cult. And now she's a mum and she's trying to protect her son. You interviewed her as part of your story for Broadsheet. What did she say about approaching the role and her younger counterpart basically approaching the same role without really working together? It was interesting um, because, yep, they said they hadn't worked together or discussed how they were going to approached the character. But when the show came out, the feedback was that they had just the same essence and the same energy, which I think is a testament to both of them. You see them mirror each other without copying each other, which is very interesting. Palmer also said there were loads of twists and turns as part of the series. As you mentioned, you don't even know that they are the same person until the end of the first episode. I'd love to know more about Miranda Otto's character because Miranda Otto plays the cult leader, essentially. She has such great cult leader energy. I think if I was going to join a cult, Miranda Otto is the sort of person you'd need yeah, sign me to up. lure me in. <laughs> She's so powerful in every scene that she approaches, yet so detached. The more you watch, the more you realise that you just do not have a handle on her or really an understanding about what her true motivations might be. She's referred to as Maitreya and she's a sort of mother figure in the cult. Now, it's so much talent on screen, but you also mentioned that there's quite a lot of Australian talent involved behind the scenes. Can you let us know about who's involved? Yes. Well, it's quite a family affair for the Ottos. Gracie Otto is one of the directors and the showrunner is Elise McCready, who co-wrote ABC's series Stateless, which was another really hard-hitting, quite psychological drama, and also wrote Ride Like a Girl, which was the Michelle Payne biopic, which also starred Teresa Palmer. She created the show alongside Matt Cameron and Osama Sami, who did Jack Irish and Ali's Wedding between them. And what is it that got you particularly excited about this series? It's got all the gritty details that you want from sort of a true crime series. But at the same time, it's such a well-crafted narrative. I keep going back every single week. The episode's released weekly, which requires some patience. Um, But you really want to see the fallout and they're pacing that out really beautifully. They're not giving away too much in each episode. 
and I think they're doing a great job. The Clearing is on Disney Plus and new episodes are released every Wednesday. Yes. All right, you've got me hooked. Thanks, Lucy. That's it for today. You can stay completely up to date at any moment of any day at broadsheet.com.au or on Instagram at broadsheet underscore mel. I'll be back again on Monday. Same time, same place. Chat then. Listener.